This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Spoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia and Gabby with the transfer portal window shut in terms of guys being able to enter and still have the ability to play this year in 2022 that portal window has shut Um, now guys who have previously entered and have not made their decision they can still play in 2022 when they do make their decision Um, but the influx has been shut and so I think this would be a good episode to kind of give an overview uh, of the portal from a Miami perspective and I think from a 2022 schedule perspective because it's a lot to keep up with. And so I think it'd be a good um, exercise to highlight some of the key um, additions or departures for the teams that Miami will play against in 2022. So there, I think there's a lot of notable guys, honestly, to highlight. Um, and we'll do that there in the second half of the podcast. But to start things off, let's... Um, So let's start with the news, right? And I'm not sure necessarily how much this is like a Miami news. I mean, Miami's kind of in the periphery of this situation, but uh, Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan Addison, who is the, he's the reigning Belitnikoff award winner. Um, So best receiver in the country last year at the college level, Uh, statistically always puts up big numbers. Um, He entered the portal and it made news because, uh, you know, Pat Narduzzi is, uh, I don't know if he's straight up being quoted, but it sounds like reporters are talking to Pat Narduzzi and, and putting it out there that they feel like the pit program feels like USC has tampered with Jordan Addison. Uh, welcome to the NIL slash transfer portal era where there are no rules, right? So this type of stuff is going to happen. But of course, you understand why Pat Narduzzi would be frustrated. Um, but let's let's start with a Miami perspective here on this situation, Gabby. You know, I think as we record early Monday afternoon, the feeling is that Jordan Addison is likely heading to USC still. Um, but... I think it's also fair to say that Miami 
is interested and would love the opportunity to have some FaceTime with them via an official visit. Can you share just kind of what you know about Miami and Addison right now? Yeah, I mean, I think we, it's been well reported, I guess, I know by us over the last, you know, I guess week at this point that, um, you know, Miami really wants to find a, a true wide receiver one in the transfer portal. If there's one available, if one emerged, um, you know, I think that they feel okay with the receiver room, but, you know, I do think that there is maybe a growing sense of, I don't want to call it urgency, but maybe just a desire uh, to maybe have a, a, just a true proven guy. I mean, really you look at the roster and I don't think that you can point to any specific player and be like, yeah, you know, that's a definite wide receiver one. Obviously you lose Charleston Rambo to the, to the NFL draft. And uh, so there, there's a gaping hole there. And, uh, you know, I think Jordan Addison is one of those names that emerged that, you know, really just checks a lot of boxes off for Miami. I mean, why wouldn't he a Belitnikoff Award finalist, right. um, you know, a guy that was, you know, really just blew up with Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Um, definitely, you know, a guy with a similar arm, the similar potential as Kenny Pitt and Tyler Van Dyke. I think that excites Miami. And, um, you know, I think that that's why they'd be so interested in him if he were to hit the portal. Um Again, is he even in the portal right now? I don't even think so. I mean, I think these are just things that are sort of out there. Um, one thing I do know, I mean, initially reported that, you know, I think Miami kind of, I initially reported that I thought Miami got word sort of early Friday afternoon that this was happening. I think that they had an idea even earlier in the week that this was just a possibility, you know, again, so this is okay. still all hypothetical of Jordan Addison even hitting the portal because these are all just reports. He, his name hasn't emerged yet. Again, May, that May 1st deadline passed. Uh, hasn't become official that he's in the transfer portal. So, but okay. I do think Miami got word earlier in the week that, you know, this was something that could potentially happen. And, you know, so I think that they've been working it and even checking in over the weekend. It sounds like, you know, if this does happen, they're going to do their best to make their push. I would assume he's not maybe officially in the portal because of semantics, right? right. Like I think the way it works is he has to hit up, Pittsburgh compliance, basically email them and say, Hey, I want to enter the portal. Then I think the Pittsburgh compliance has 24 to 48 hours. So, uh, is that 24 to 48 hour business days? Is that straight up 24 to 40? Cause May 1st obviously was on Sunday. Yeah. So does that back things up? Is there a log jam? And this goes beyond Jordan Addison, right? right? Are there more players out there that we're going to find out hit the portal? as we record today, Monday, and, you know, potentially do we learn more Tuesday? Um, but I think the, the sense is Gabby, like people are reporting that he intended to enter the right. portal. So we'll see, I guess, if he does officially enter, if he does, you've got, you kind of hinted at it, but I guess, I mean, we'll see. Right. But do you think Miami could get one of his visits if he does take visits? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think USA, I mean, just kind of reading the tea leaves, it seems like USC has some sort of maybe NIL package that, I mean, rumored to be reaching, you know, that, that seven-figure mark, which is just crazy. Um, I think Miami would do their best. You know, I think, I mean, USC's receiver situation, I think, is probably better than Miami's. I think when you're considered, yeah. I think what, I think at least visiting Miami would be wise for him just because of the opportunity, not saying that there isn't one at USC or any other program out there, but um, you know, I, I mean, what he could be at Miami is again, the, the true number one wide receiver, um, you know, USC has Kyle Ford. I know that they've added a couple of receivers via the transfer portal already as well. Mario Williams, of course, from Oklahoma, who was a Caleb Williams guy. I know Jordan Addison has a connection to Caleb Williams, 
both of them are from like the Maryland DMV area. So I think that there's a connection there that probably dates back, um, you know, pretty far. So, but yeah, I mean, I think Miami may, maybe has a chance again, this is just kind of me assuming speculating, but uh, you know, I think there's a great need. There's a great quarterback, a guy that could potentially be a first round draft pick, you know, this time next year. And uh, I think if you're Jordan Addison, that has to be a pretty, a pretty interesting situation to at least, you know, maybe give a look at if it's not you yeah, if to explore, if USC isn't just the immediate, uh, move once that becomes, you know, open and out there. Right. So I think first step, right. He has to enter the portal. Um, I wonder, this is just me wondering, right. I do wonder if Pat Narduzzi, who is kind of a, a prickly character. I do wonder if Pat Narduzzi, if he wants to make things difficult for USC in terms of, Hey, I have evidence. I mean, he has to have evidence. I have evidence you tampered. I'm going to make it really hard for Jordan Addison to ever play for you. So if that word gets to Jordan Addison, does that, does that mean Jordan Addison explores other options if he enters the portal? Um, So, yeah, I, and, and also too, I, I think it's smart. Like, let's say he does end up wanting to go to USC anyways. Um, You could argue it would be smart for him to just take a visit to Miami to make it look like, hey, I actually explored all my options. Whether or not that's genuine or not remains to be seen, but you always take take the visit, right? Because you never know how that's going to go. Maybe Miami can blow away USC with with, uh, what they can offer Jordan Addison. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if he enters the portal officially. Let's go big picture talk with, because this whole situation sparked conversation in college football, social media, and on the message board, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts just in general about how this all connects? Because I I think, honestly, it's two separate issues, Transfer Portal and NIL, but they do get they do come together, right? There is yeah. a, a mesh point there, of course. Um, number one, are you disgusted by this? Or do you think it's a situation where this is just like the new norm? Or do you feel like it's there's some sort of middle ground where there could be a solution to better reg- regulating this? I'll, 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 I'll go first. I think you can end tampering, um, which I think is the main issue, right? Tampering. Right. Yeah. And of course that's going to happen when you, you know, guys can go get their money, which they should have the ability to go get their money. Um, you can end this by, and, and this is something I don't, ex- I mean, I don't know. I feel like we're, we're quickly approaching this. It might be five years away. It might be 10 years away. It might be two years away. I just think you got to make the players employees. Um, That allows you to sign them to contracts. That means then, though, that you have to collectively bargain with them. Um, And within that, I think there's a lot of questions. Do you collectively bargain by conference? Do you collectively bargain by school only? Do you collectively bargain by uh, FBS level? Do you collectively bargain by power five, group of five? So there's a lot of details to be sorted out. And it is totally different than what we know college football to be. Yeah. Um, but unless you 
unless you bring them in on your business, right? And there are rules, unless the players get a piece of the pie, um, this is how it's going to go. And, and guys like Pat Narduzzi are just going to keep getting fried out, whether or not you agree with it, right? Like, yeah. is it is it good for the sport? Probably not, right? Yeah. Like, it's not great for the sport, but it's good for the players to be able to say, hey, I can leave, go get way more money. I get to be in Southern California. I mean, from a, like, if I'm Jordan Addison, of course I'm doing this. Like, I mean, it's a no brainer. What right. is Jordan Addison? Like, yeah, go, go do that. Um, so they need leadership that we all know there's been a void of leadership with the NCAA for a long time now. And, uh, I think this is just another step. This Jordan Addison thing is another step that is helping accelerate finding answers as to how they can find this middle ground of pay the players, still kind of have that integrity of college football that we all like and uh, move forward. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is I mean, this is all pretty fascinating to me, honestly, just because it's just like, I mean, is this what it's going to be now? Like, you know, you have a, you know, a, a power five team. I mean, really fresh off an ACC championship, but, you know, year to year over year, I mean, really just kind of a middle of the pack power five team. Like if one of these guys hits on, you know, one of these kids and he has a big true sophomore year like this, like how many of these schools become sort of feeder, feeders for oh, these these major programs that coming. can that can dish out these seven figure NIL deals? Like if. I mean, I'm just going to use like Missouri for an example. If Missouri has, uh, you know, they hit, you know, diamond in the rough kid has a massive freshman year catches for 800 catches, 800 yards or whatever it is. What's going to stop Texas or Texas A&M to be like, Hey bro, here's that's happening. Exactly. I mean, I I just think this whole thing is going to happen more. Exactly. I feel like this is just the beginning of this where there's going to, this is, I feel like college football. I mean, it's already kind of broken up into tiers, but I feel like it's going to really just be like, you know, there's not even going to be much of a chance for one of these schools to even maintain one of these, you know, potential, you know, stud players Well, they'll have that one guy. Maybe they won't win 10 games, but they have that one guy where they can say, you know what we produced him because these other schools are just going to be like, all right, he's ours now because there's not really much that you can do about it. And, um, I don't know, maybe they need to regulate it in some way. And, you know, maybe there needs to be something. And I don't, I don't know exactly what that looks like, if that's collectively bargaining, if that's making them employees, if they're, but, you know, I'm cool to players making money. I'm cool to players, you know, being able to profit and all that stuff. Um, course, it's, yeah. We're just kind of opening the floodgates. I feel like the flood, the floodgates opened really, really quickly. It kind of went from nothing to everything. Yes. And, um, you know, I think, I do think there needs to be something that goes on here because, you know, if you're Pat Narduzzi, why do you put your, why, why put your heart and soul into finding, you know, these diamonds that you can like, you know, this guy could make my program better for two or three years when you know, okay, if this kid has a big year, okay. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. USC, Texas are, are going to call Miami. and then it's just going to Miami <laughs> and they're just going to, and it's going to be over for us. So yeah, we can have this kid. Maybe he'll have one great year for us. And then here he goes, he's going to get shipped off to some sec or, you know, some top pack pack 12 or, or ACC team. And it's just like, you know, where, so, where's where's the motivation? Like my, it's just like for college coaches, I feel like that could also just be extremely draining. Like what's the, yes. like why? So here's, here's the thing with that. And I agree, right? Like that's the frustrating thing from the coaching side of things. Um, so let, let's say you make players salaried employees somehow, right? Um, collectively bargain somehow. That probably means Pat Narduzzi 
and most college coaches get paid less. Do they sign up for that? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. We, like how, I mean, many, how many coaches are able to make eight, nine, 10, 11 million per year once that happens? So that's like, to me, that's like the interesting cross section of like, okay, coaches, like, yeah, we can slow down tampering and transfer portal uh, activity and all that stuff. And, and coaches are for paying players, right? Uh, but if you do it the right way, chances are it's going to get to a point where some players make more than the coaches. Yeah. And at the, at the college level, how's that going to be stomached? Yeah, but I'm wondering if a Pat Narduzzi right now would be like, hey, you know what? I would make $750,000 less right now if it meant I get to keep my star player year in and year out. Like, I bet, I don't know, but, but like the alternative is just, all right. I like, what does Pitt have outside of Jordan Addison at wide receiver? Like he was their guy. I'm sure they're optimistic that, you know, with kid on Slovis and Jordan Addison, maybe they don't win another AC title, but they could be highly competitive again. Like, I bet you, I bet you Pat Narduzzi would be like, all right, you know what? Like if this is what it took long-term where I can keep my, I know I'm keeping my guys at least three years because really it's just one more year. Like that's all Jordan Addison had right. left. If I can keep my guy for one more year, you know, and if I had to sacrifice X amount of dollars, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure some of those mid-tier programs who can just get gutted, what might be like, all right, you know what? I'll bite that bullet as long as I can keep the guys that I recruit, you know, because that's the end of the day. Right. You're, you're recruiting at the end of the day for another program. That's what it's going to end sure. up being. If and you find, Yeah. You're developing and recruiting for like what did Lincoln Riley have to do for Jordan Addison if that were to happen? Nothing. All he had to do was find someone that would pay him a lot of money, and now he's yours. Yeah, unrestricted for, free agency every off season for everybody. It's wild. For college football, right? I think we all can recognize this probably isn't sustainable. Now, again, players need to get paid. Like I'm not saying that. Um, and let's be real too. Like this, I don't say that because it doesn't benefit Miami. Like this model benefits oh, sure. Miami, right? For sure. But for the sport, is this, is this the best thing? Right. I think we can all agree. Some, some tweaks need to be made. Um, are they going to be willing to go as far as they need to go though, to totally uh, kind of redo the sport? That's going to be interesting. I think um, anyways, a lot smarter people than us will have to figure this out, Gabby. Uh, any other, so Jordan Addison's one, and this could all change, right? Like Miami could, Miami's probably diving in right now into the portal, guys, seeing how many are out there that are worth chasing still. Are there any guys that you know of? Maybe they entered recently. Maybe they're longstanding portal guys that uh, Miami might kick the tires on as they look to fill even more gaps. Are there any other names to, to know right now, you think? I mean, I'm not sure right now. I mean, from what I understand, it's kind of like wide receiver. Um, you know, that's kind of like where they want to go. And I don't know if there's a name in there that's all that intriguing to them. Maybe there, I think that there are some that they are, you know, looking at. And I mean, that's what the last I heard last week was like, you know, there's nothing major, but they, I think they were evaluating some wideouts in the portal currently. I'm not sure. Sh- I'm not sure if that's led to anything. I mean, I think Ricky Pearsall is probably the most intriguing name to me um, or one of the more intriguing names to me, just because, you know, I think that he was at least productive. I know he just officially visited Florida. I think uh, Auburn, Notre Dame, um, some other schools might get him on campus. 
I mean, Brew McCoy, I think is an interesting name. I don't think that there's any, I mean, nothing has been relayed to Not me yet. that there's any legitimate interest there, but, you know, I think he was, you know, big time prospect and, you know, consensus top 10 overall player in his class coming out of high school. Um, so I think that's a potentially intriguing name if they really wanted to pivot that way. But um, I think they want more of a proven guy. And I'm not sure there is right. that true proven guy in the in the portal that they can just, you know, sort of plug and play on the outside. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to Miami's guys, because Miami had a, a group of guys enter the portal before the May 1st deadline. And again, there could be more here that are just being delayed uh, by the weekend. Uh, but we know Daz Warsham entered uh, punter Nelson Foley, who was on scholarship. He was Australian, expected to be the guy who replaced Lou Headley this year. But Lou Headley came back for his final year. Um, Deshaun Troutman uh, had some off-field stuff, so that kind of made it easy to uh, move on from him. Uh, Cam Williams, who I guess he was not enrolled last year. Um, and so he didn't enter the portal. He wasn't enrolled at UM last year, wasn't on the team last year, but he just now entered the portal. Cody Brown, we knew that running back and then Tyreek Austin Cave, we knew that to linebacker. Those happened around the spring game. Um, so that is six guys, I think. Um, so six guys out. I think Miami added 11, if I have it correct, up yeah. to this point. Um, let's, um, let's rank our top five impact players in the portal for Miami that Miami added, right? Yeah. Um, number five, who you got? Number five, I'll probably go probably go Caleb Johnson five same linebacker I mean I think he's going to be a starter nice piece for that room uh is he a special player I think that's to be determined uh, but he's a guy that can eat snaps make tackles that come his way be athletic enough in coverage I think he's an upgrade for that position group um but there's other guy other portal guys that I think are like high impact guys that are potential all ACC first, second, third team type guys. Uh, number four, who would you go with? I would probably go with Henry Parrish. Okay. I'll go Frank Latson. Okay. I think I'm a little, I got, a, I got higher on Frank as the spring progressed. And I'm at the point now where I think Keyshawn, I think Frank beats out Keyshawn Smith by, by game one. So I think Frank is going to be a starter. Uh, assuming the roster stays as it is now. I think the starting wide receivers will be Frank, Jacoby, Xavier. And uh, I think Frank could do some damage as a deep ball guy. I think that would be best case scenario for Miami. If Frank Ladson really like emerged like that, because I think, yeah. I think we've talked about it. I think he has the potential to be that Correct. you know wide receiver one type, but got to see it. And uh, I think that would ease a lot of, I think that would, you know, ease a burden for Miami if Frank Latson really were to emerge that way. So I went Henry Parrish three. Okay. And, you know, I think we discussed in the, in a recent podcast, how I probably give him a slight edge over Jalen Knighton. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think him and Jalen are kind of right there. 
and it'll be an interesting battle. And honestly, both those guys are going to get plenty of carries. Um, but Henry Parrish, I think, is going to end up being a very nice addition. Yeah. Who do you go number three? I'll go. I don't know, man. I'm a Mitchell Goode guy. I'm going Mitchell Goode sure. number three. What do you like about him? I mean, I just think, honestly, just kind of watching the defensive ends. Again, if Jafari Harvey comes on, that's awesome. But I think they needed another guy that can get to the quarterback. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that, that Agude in this sort of system can, can just be one of those guys that can get after it. I like the, the forced fumbles numbers. I mean, six across, um, you know, two years at USC. I think he could be one of those guys that could just be a difference maker, you know, that big play type of guy that, you know, could also just cause turnovers, force turnovers. I think that that's a big deal. And, you know, I think that's been Miami's bread and butter over the past few years. And when I think when they're at their best is when they're, you know, busting out that turnover chain left and right, because they were just taking the ball away a ton. So I think Mitchell Agude could be a guy that, you know, does a lot for them coming off the edge. Turnover chain's dead, Gabby. It is, but hey, we know show some love. I go, I go Agude number two. Um, yeah, I think everything you said is fair. I think well, I want to, I really do want to see, I wanted to see Jafari Harvey in that spring game, but yeah. uh, probably Mitchell Agude will be Miami's top edge rusher this year. Um, who do you go number two? I mean, I was going to go Terrell Jackson and that's just okay. because I'm, I'm high on just like the freakiness of him. And uh, you know, I, again, I don't know if he plays a ton of snaps, but I think he's someone that can just be highly productive. I think he's someone that brings something really different to Miami's front. And uh, you know, I think if they do show some, you know, three man fronts, I think he could be that sort of yeah. anchor, like that sort of nose that could, uh, you know, really make Miami sort of look like an SEC type of defense. And you know, again, I'm not saying this is happening, but you know, I just have a little inkling that you know we might see some three man from Miami. And, uh, you know, I think Darrell Jackson becomes, you know, super important when, uh, you know, Kevin Steele decides, to, you know, you know, change those looks around. Yeah, I, I think Daryl, from a potential standpoint, certainly deserves to be number two. I didn't put him on my list here because and I'm very high on him, but I don't know if he's necessarily a high impact guy this year. I think he's a depth guy. I think he's a guy with a ton of potential if he starts to fulfill that potential this year. Awesome. Um, but right now I think he's kind of more just like a freaky body type with some really good athleticism. I think he still needs some technique refining and yeah, for sure, you know, how to learn how to play at his size and all that stuff. But he's definitely a guy that'll play this year, I think, um, in the two deep. So I, I would assume our number one guy is the same. Yeah. Akeem Mesador. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, guys like him just don't come around often uh, kind of a guy that's a load to handle on the inside of the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he's, you know, those guys and quarterbacks are the two hardest to find. And Miami has one of the best players at each of those spots in the country going into this season. So that's, that's definitely a positive for this uh, hurricanes team. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 33 pressures basically from the inside, all of them, um, that's a impressive pressure rate. And he's, he's the type, you know, I talked earlier, like first, second, third team, all ACC type guys. For sure. He's a guy that could be first all ACC. Um, you know, there's a little bit of popularity element to those, to that voting. So the Clemson guys might be tough to overcome, but first or second all ACC type talent, Akeem Mesador. Agreed.
Agreed. Let's, uh, let's take a break there. And we will, on the other side, highlight some interesting transfers or, or difference-making transfers that either arrived at a school Miami's playing this year or left from a school Miami's playing this year. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, we are back. Um, Gabby, I asked for five impactful transfers. I was able to find a bunch more, but yeah, uh, same. <laughs> we'll just we'll just have a conversation then. Where do you want to go first? Is there a guy that jumps out to you first to highlight? I mean, I guess I'll, we'll just we can just go early in the schedule. I mean, Max Johnson, uh, LSU, yeah. LSU transfer, who's going to play for for Texas A&M. I mean, I think that there's a good chance that he probably wins that job. I uh, assume so, he will, don't yeah. you? Yeah, I, I, I do. Um, you know, so I think he was a guy like Miami was kind of looking at, right? Didn't he have some sort of connections like Mark Rick back, back in the day or something like that? Yeah, um, so his mom is Mark Rick's sister. Okay. There you go. I mean, uh, so, um, you know, Max Johnson, a name that I'm sure Miami fans are pretty familiar with and, you know, 60% passer tw- over 2,800 yards, 27 touchdowns at LSU last year. I was uh, surprised by those numbers, honestly, like they were a little bit better than I thought they'd be. Yeah. Yeah. Like a 27, six touchdown interception ratio. Yeah. I mean, he's and, kind of a game manager, but he's got, he does have upside talent as that game manager type. Yeah. And honestly, I think that's kind of what, in general, that's what Jimbo Fisher plays with, um, you know, besides Jameis Winston, um, that's the kind of guy he's won with. So he is competing with Haynes King, who's kind of more of like a freaky attribute type of guy with his running ability. Um, but Max Johnson is the safer pick who started games in the SEC. I would assume Miami will see Max Johnson and how that game goes kind of determines whether or not he sticks with Max Johnson or moves to Haynes King. What about, let's get some Connor Wiegman love, man. You don't think the true freshman could win it out? No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he's going to have to redshirt. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm sure he's a talented guy though, but yeah, Max Johnson is the son of Brad Johnson. Yeah. Former NFL quarterback. Uh, he's six, five, two He's a mobile guy. He's a lefty. So he, he did a solid job for LSU uh, last season. And, uh, I think, you know, whether or not he, he wins the job, he, he gives Texas a, and, um, a safe floor as to what the quarterback play could be. I think if they didn't land Max Johnson this off season, that would have been a question 
Texas A&M would have had to deal with yeah. all season. Right. And, and we saw last year, last year, Texas A&M went what eight and four, I think. Um, the reason why they went eight and four is because Haynes King got hurt and yeah. uh, they had to turn to their backup who had the game of his life against Alabama, but then <laughs> that was it. Yeah. He turned back into the backup. So yeah. um, they're an eight and four team with mediocre play at quarterback. What are they going to be with pretty good quarterback play? Yeah. Right. That's why, I mean, they are a national championship contender. Um, anything else on max? Nah, I'm good on max. Who else would you highlight? I mean, just kind of sticking, I'm kind of just going through the schedule game by game. I mean, just looking at sure. the next team, Virginia Tech um, added Grant Wells uh, from Marshall, another another big time quarterback. I think that's obviously the premier position over 5,600 yards at his during his career at, at Marshall, 34 career touchdown passes. Um, you know, I think that that's a notable addition for them. Again, when you kind of, I guess it was Braxton Burmeister, who was their quarterback yep. last year, right? Um, so he's not, out, he's not with the program Transferred anymore. Out. Yep. He transferred out of income incomes, uh, you know, Grant Wells, who, you know, not super far away, um, Huntington, uh, West Virginia. So, um, you know, I think that that's a big pickup for, for Virginia Tech. That's obviously, you know, played a lot of football in his college career. It makes their offense more of a threat because, you know, Braxton Burmeister, athletic guy, competitor, but really struggled to throw the ball. Um, Grant Wells, you know, more of a throwing threat. Uh, last year, threw for 3,500 yards. He did have a high interception number, uh, 13 picks last year thrown. Um, but he's definitely more of a thrower than Braxton Burmeister. So, yeah, I still think Virginia Tech is going to be in a transition phase. Like, it's, it's not going to be an easy year for them. Um, but to me, Grant Wells, like if you don't have a quarterback that can throw, like that's, I mean, we saw it last year. I mean, Miami didn't have much trouble with Virginia tech for that right. reason. Um, another guy that transferred out is one of their, their receivers, Tavion Robinson, who I think had like, I don't know, about 560 yards. Um, so he's a guy that, uh, you know, could have been a, a decent threat for the Hokies on the outside. So they got to find a receiver. Um, who's next on your schedule? Yeah. I mean, I kind of moving to North Carolina. I kind of like Noah Taylor. Um, I have yeah, his, yeah. his, I mean, his stature, I'm going to, I'd like I'll, him at Miami. I, I was going to say, I mean, if he, I feel like maybe like a poor man's Eric Gentry type, you know, one of those big, long, like maybe outside linebacker types, um, you know, 20 and a half tackles for loss, 12 and a half sacks across three years at Virginia. I think he's a pretty impactful guy, you know, like again, mm -hmm. kind of hindsight. I think that I wish that was kind of a guy that Miami uh, maybe pursued more just because I feel like he would kind of check off a lot of boxes for them too um, on that defense. So, I mean, North Carolina, I think that's a, I think that was a sneaky, quietly, really good addition yes. for them. Yeah, and the, and the big question with North Carolina after last year is their defense. They, right. they had a really bad year on defense. Noah Taylor is a good player. We've seen him at Virginia, right? He comes yeah. from UVA. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, in hindsight, it would have been nice if Miami made a strong push there for Noah. Um, with Virginia, I know I'm jumping ahead, but Noah Taylor's from Virginia. They kind of got hammered in the portal, right. if you like, in terms of guys leaving. And there is a coaching transition, Bronco Mendenhall to Tony Elliott. But I looked at it, Gabby. Is I mean, I, I remember this back. Most of this happened like in December-ish when that mm -hmm. move was fresh. But they lost 
and you, and you look at all this stuff and it's like, man, where, was Virginia even that loaded? Yeah. But um, it's kind of a supply and demand thing as well with the portal. But they, so an offensive tackle went to USC. Mm-hmm. An offensive guard went to Michigan. Uh, Noah Taylor to North Carolina. An offensive tackle to UCF, yeah. Ryan Swoboda, who yeah. Miami flirted with. Right. Uh, a linebacker went to LSU. And then recently their best running back from last year went to Washington. So these guys left and went to probably across the board, better programs. Um, So yeah, Virginia is just, it's going to be a a rebuilding year. So, I mean, they do have Brennan Armstrong quarterback, which always helps, Um, but he's going to have to carry a big load. All right. I jumped ahead, but who's next for you? I mean, I'm kind of pivoting to, you know, just go to F to Florida State. I mean, what they did with Jared Verse and uh, Tatum Bethune, I think were two pretty big additions for them on defense. Um, you know, what we saw what Jermaine Johnson did for them coming off the edge. I think they think Jared Verse could have a similar impact. And then I think they, Tatum Bethune obviously fills a, a major hole at linebacker for them as He's well. He's another so, one. Yeah. He's another one I wish Miami would have landed. I mean, Miami yeah. did make a strong push right. for him. Florida state just straight up won that battle and you got to yep. give them credit for that. Um, but I would, I would rather have Tatum Bethune than Caleb Johnson. If I'm being honest, yeah. just straight up honest Tatum Bethune last year had 108 tackles, five and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, two picks. Um, and word out of the spring up in Tallahassee is Tatum Bethune was very impressive. So, um, that would have been a nice addition for, for Miami. Sure. would have been. And then two, I think to highlight with FSU, um, it seems like they might've got something in, in Trey Benson. Uh, right. Running yeah, that's true. From Oregon. So he, he was a guy who was dinged up a lot injury wise at Oregon, um, has a good size speed combination. Um, was good in the it, spring game. He was, he can get to the corner quick. Um, so he might, he, he will probably be their leading rusher. And so, uh, you know, Mike Norvell runs the ball a lot and, uh, Trey Benson looks like he's going to be a good addition. For Who sure. else you got? Uh, I'll just move into pit. Uh, I think Pitt's probably the last one I really kind of really dug okay. into a uh, kid on Slovis. I don't think this guy, I don't, I don't think Clemson at like added many nope. people or anyone. I don't think Dabo does that. I didn't really look at them. Honestly, we just kind of reading his comments. So, I mean, last one on, you know, for me, uh, kid on Slovis at Pitt. I mean, added a big quarterback, uh, how did Yuri put up some pretty big numbers uh, for USC? And so, again, uh, I guess pre-Jordan-Addison saga, I think that Keaton Slovis-Jordan-Addison connection would have been really nice. If there is no Jordan-Addison in the picture, um, you know, Keaton Slovis, I still think, has a pretty big arm and a guy that can push the yeah. ball down the field. So, um, you know, I think that that's a... You know, that that Kenny Pickett to Keaton Slovis transition, I think, is is a pretty smooth one. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be a pretty easy transition. I think they, you know, they they lost their offensive coordinator. And so there might be some changes to the offense. But, um, you know, Keaton Slovis is a big time arm. So another big one in the ACC. He's a guy that if he has a a pretty good year for Pitt, he'll probably be drafted somewhere like late. Um, But he's a draftable guy with his measurables. he, does, he has thrown 24 picks in his college career, which, you know, is on the high side. He has thrown 58 touchdowns, which is a, which is a good number, uh, but 24 picks a little too high. Um, Pittsburgh, honestly, Gabby, they, they added a wide receiver in the portal. That's intriguing as well. Um, his name is 
Konata Mumpfield, and he came to Pittsburgh after a nice redshirt freshman season at Akron, where he caught 63 passes for 751 yards and eight touchdowns. He's a six foot one, 180. So he's a guy I, I know they were impressed with during the spring, how he played. And uh, coming out of spring, they were very excited about pairing him with Jordan Addison. So looks like that's not happening now, but, uh, you know, Mumpfield, I think, is going to be a nice wide receiver for Keaton Slovis to throw to. Um, one other guy I wanted to highlight, this is a guy leaving. I don't know if it's like impacts the result of what the Miami Georgia tech game would have been. Right. But um, I do think it's worth noting because he probably would have been the best running back Miami would have played this year. If he remained at Georgia tech and that's Jameer Gibbs, right. Who moved right. on to Alabama uh, had 1800 all purpose yards last year and 11 touchdowns. So he's a guy that makes plays in the run game, pass game, special teams, um, Again, Georgia Tech's not a juggernaut, but that's one less big-time running back Miami has to deal with. And he gave them problems last year. Oh, absolutely. Um, So Jameer Gibbs is going to go produce like crazy at Alabama. So have fun with that, SEC. (laughs) Um, NFL draft talk. Let's close it up with this. Um, Miami avoided not having a player drafted for the first time since 1974. So that's nice with uh, John Ford defensive tackle uh, being the only selection for the hurricanes in this 2022 draft. Uh, He was selected in the seventh round by the green Bay Packers. So congratulations to John Uh, long career stuck with it, right? He had to, he battled through some nagging injuries. um, And at the end of the day got rewarded by getting drafted. So congrats to John Ford. Um, but let's start there. Just one guy, one guy drafted. And I don't necessarily Gabby by, I mean, I think there's something to it, but I think it can be overstated in terms of viewing the overall health of a program by the NFL draft. Yeah. Because and I'm not saying this is the case necessarily, but Miami could have 10 guys who are underclassmen that weren't eligible that will be drafted in the future on the team now. Um, But I do think it's fair to say some of these guys that weren't picked were probably were expected to be picked last year at this time. And clearly it didn't work out. Um, What do you make of it? Just one guy getting picked Miami going seven and five disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I just, honestly, I just found it really disappointing. I thought it, I thought it was, I mean, honestly, I just think it's a little bit embarrassing. Um, you know, I don't think that that's where, you know, Miami should be as a program ever. I mean, just given the talent, that's just like kind of always available in South Florida, obviously got to win more recruiting battles. You got to stack some of that top talent. Um, I think it's a very clear indicator as to why Miami had to go out and get a Mario Cristobal type, you know, a a big time coach that can recruit at a high level uh, that just gives you a better chance to produce NFL players. Um, Obviously put Kayvon Thibodeau in the draft, recruited him out of Oregon and, you know, another top 10 pick under his belt. I think saw some stat that it was like, I think Mario Cristobal and Nick Saban are like the only 
two coaches in the country to have three straight drafts with a top 10 pick. Is that, is that right? Okay. Am I, I mean, I don't know if I, I would, I guess that, I mean, that's definitely the case for Mario. I would assume yeah. that's the case for Nick Saban. Yeah, so Mario I, had uh, uh, Herbert Sewell and now Thibodeau. And then, and now Thibodeau. So yeah, I mean, it's, 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 that's why you go get a Mario Cristobal type, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really disappointing to see one Miami hurricane get drafted that pick being in the seventh round. I mean, you're flirting with having zero uh, NFL draft picks. I mean, I, I, just, I find that to be unacceptable at Miami. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, really it's just overall disappointing. Um, you kind of, to me, what's like, to your point, to me, what's, what's maybe the bigger indictment is like no players picked in the top three rounds, because that's where like the good players really are like, Yeah. yeah, good players you can find in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round too. But for being real, like the top three rounds is like the cream of the crop of college football. Yeah. And Miami didn't have one of those guys, not even close. Yeah. And like, to me, it's just like, even the guy who Miami had drafted is like, was not even one of their more productive players. I feel like green Bay maybe just took a flyer Projection. on the six, yeah, yeah. on the six on foot the five, 330 pound potential nose tackle type, you know, I don't even know yeah. if it was based. It was, I don't, I definitely wasn't based on the college production and all that stuff and not saying John Ford's a bad player, but you know, you had a record breaking wide receiver in Charleston Rambo that, that wasn't selected. Uh, you so know, let's discuss uh, that. Yeah. Would you, do you, do you understand maybe why because i think you and i both personally like i think he's worth a sixth or seventh round pick right? right but at the same time i understand why he wasn't selected do you or are yeah. you just puzzled by it no i'm not puzzled by it. i mean he didn't test very well did he especially right. compared to some of the other receivers in the draft and you know, I think that's what happens when you're a guy his size and you don't put up the, you know, elite speed numbers. I mean, it's tough to, you know, project that you're going to be a, like a major NFL type of talent. I mean, physical I traits matter in yeah. college, but they really matter in the NFL where inches of separation are a tremendous advantage. Right. And you look at Rambo um, six foot one, but 177 pounds. And at that weight, he ran a four, five, seven and jumped 33 and a half inches, which if you compare it like to the average human, yeah, freak, but to the average receiver, that's pretty average. You could argue, eh, I'll just leave it at average. It's average. Um, so I looked Gabby at receivers that were drafted. This was kind of a quick look. So maybe I missed a guy or two there, but I looked for receivers that were drafted this weekend. Uh, that weighed under 180 pounds. And I found two guys, uh, Calvin Austin, the third, who I think's out of Memphis. Mm-hmm. So he's 173 pounds, but he's only five foot nine. So yeah. he's a little more compact, but he also clocked a four, three, two. Yeah. There you uh, go. Thornton, <laughs> South Florida native, uh, 177 pounds. He's six foot three. So he's even more lanky. Than Rambo, but he ran a four two eight. So um, the NFL looks at height, weight, speed, length because they believe when they draft guys, their development journey is not over. Right? They a lot of honestly, a lot of NFL teams think guys don't necessarily get developed well at the college level. So they will take a flyer like on a John Ford who has the body type, like. I can't coach up 
four, two, eight speed. I can't coach up six, five, three thirty of John yeah. Ford, but I can coach him up techniques and maybe turn him into something at, with those physical traits. So again, uh, I would have drafted Charleston Rambo somewhere in the sixth or seventh round. I do think he's good. I do think he's going to, so he, he signed as an undrafted free agent with the Panthers. I, I think he'll make a team. I think he'll make that team. Um, but I think the main message here is the competition is fierce, especially at that position. Wide receiver yeah. is a position where there's so many guys out there nowadays. Um, but at the same time, I, I do understand why he wasn't taken. And let, and, and let me go here to just like a little rant. Um, I, I, one of the things I think that needs to happen with Mario Cristobal in charge now is these types of things need to sink in for the rest of the Miami program. We can't have this arrogance anymore around the program of like being a starter on a seven and five team means much, right? It's cool. Yeah. It's great. Uh, that's definitely, uh, you know, an achievement to be a starter at a power five level on a college team. But if we're talking NFL, that doesn't mean anything because you are competing against everyone else at your position around the country, guys who you've never heard of um, that probably are bigger, faster, stronger than you, putting in more work than you. Um, and so I just, I want, I want this type of stuff to start hitting home for Miami because I feel like every year, and maybe this is just like the Miami echo chamber or the Miami bubble that you and I have to live in. But I feel like, you know, we all get surprised when a Charleston Rambo doesn't get drafted or, yeah. you know, all that stuff, but it's like, okay, but if we really took a step back and looked at the guys that did get drafted instead of them, you kind of understand why they didn't get drafted. For sure. Right. And For so, sure. I guess just this message, like Mario Cristobal's message is like, we just got to get to work. Like, hopefully it sinks in with this program right. because, you know, yeah, you set records on a set. And I'm not like speaking down on Charleston Rambo. He did everything he could. And I'm not saying he shouldn't necessarily even come back. But like, I just hope like guys on the team now, like for instance, a Jacoby George looks at Charleston Rambo and is like, dang, Charleston Rambo didn't get drafted. What yeah. is that? What does that mean for the type of work I have to do now? Like yeah. moving forward, I need to work my butt off so that I can go get drafted. Right. Um, that's where I hope this kind of thing resonates. I feel like that's what we've hoped for a long time. And I feel like it's kind of right. like the same sort of result, even though I feel like a lot of guys, more guys have been coming back recently, but sure. I hope guys see that even in the future where it's just like, do I want to roll the dice now or can I come back, maybe do it again? And then maybe I have a better shot because but it's not even about that one extra year. Honestly, to me, it's about showing up as a true freshman mm -hmm. and working the full three or four years, like yeah. having some self-awareness about what it really takes to get to that level. And you got to succeed. You got to make plays on the field too. So anyways, uh, Let's go out on a positive note, somewhat of a positive note. Uh, so a lot of guys got that didn't get drafted, 
did sign as free agents. So I'm curious, Gabby, like, is there a guy, it, it could be Rambo, but is there a guy that you're like, you know what, I think he, I think he's got a chance to stick as an undrafted free agent, or at least play, let's say three years, be on a team for three years. I'm going to go, I'm, I'm going to go a little hot. I'm going to go a little bit hot. Um, I, I think Zach McLeod has a chance, man. And I wow. think he has a chance as like a, that is as like hot. a, as like a special teams guy, he got a lot of. He's so much money they they gave him in like guaranteed I didn't money. See that he got like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Wow. I mean, I don't know. I think from some the Vikings, think, right? From the Vikings, I don't know. I think that's telling. Maybe they see that again. Is I, telling. I think he. Wow. I think he ran a, a positive. You know, I thought he ran a pretty good forty. He, I think he was in like four six. And he's a good guy. Like he is. Yeah, I think like he's a hard talking, worker. Right. If we're talking about self aware guys that will fill a role and work their butt off. Zach McLeod is that guy. There's just some limitations there, right? I mean, maybe spe- like a special teams type of guy. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like that. that okay. the, I, 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 the dollar amount led me to think that because yes. I haven't seen a ton of guys getting two hundred and fifty thousand dollar like base. Good for stuff Zach. Coming. Good so for I don't Zach. know that 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 that's my hot take. That's my hot take. I'll go Bubba Bolden, who okay. I thought was a little hot takey. I don't know. I I, I think know. there's I think there's something there. Uh, and the Seahawks is a good organization. I feel like for like that yeah. type of like, like his versatile, like skillset, yeah, like a guy that can play a bunch of spots. Right. Like I think the Seahawks will develop that. Um, right. He's got to clean up his tackling, of course, but maybe that happened because he was playing through an injury. Um, but I, I like Bubba's mentality. I think he's got a pro mentality, and so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks on the Seahawks. A little bit. I also I don't know if he's necessarily landed anywhere, and he is coming back from a knee injury, so that's probably the reason why. But I am I am a little curious on Cam Harris. You know, I think running backs are are somewhat interchangeable at the NFL level, and so I think Cam Harris might get a shot somewhere. Um, anyways, uh, I think like I said, I think Rambo could stick too. Yeah. Um, what did, what did you make of Derek King on the Patriots? I feel like it's just such a Patriots move, right? The I next feel like it's Edelman, just, right? I don't know what it's gonna. <laughs> I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what that's gonna look like. Um, I don't know. I don't even know what to make. I'm rooting for him. I like I, of course, a lot. of course, I'm rooting for him. Yeah. And you know, the Patriots have like a whole developmental system. I think that's. I think you kind of have to be like a, you have to have like that Patriots mindset. And I think the, I think that's a good organization for Derek King. Absolutely. Because I feel like it's very de- player developmental and all that stuff. So, um, you know, for I Mike think... Harley on the Browns, yeah, DeAndre sure. Johnson on the Dolphins. Yeah. Who, who else am I missing? Um, that's probably it. Yeah, that's probably is it. But yeah, best of luck to all these guys. Okay, I think jo- where did Navon did Navon land anywhere? Not that I'd seen. I mean, yeah, maybe I that's he did, be. but not that I've seen. So yeah. he'll get a tryout somewhere. It's I'm just, sure. You know, it's going to be tough. Uh, But yeah, go be great, guys. And uh, we will leave it there. With news a little slow this time of year, we will probably go to one podcast a week. Appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, Gabby is on top of all the recruiting ins and outs uh, with coaches on the road, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Summer camp season kind of right around the corner. Yeah. Starting in June-ish. So anyways, appreciate everyone for listening. Until next time, take care.